Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, everyone, welcome on to the last of our position group rankings here as we work up towards the top 10 players in the NBA. Going to do the point guards, usually perhaps the most controversial, the most interesting, maybe the one that I like doing the most, uh, frankly, and probably the one that's closest to top 10 players in the NBA as well in terms of the type of analysis because you really need your point guard to score and pass and lead an offense in most cases, and that's what the best ones are going to do. Well, and I, yeah, I, I, think, I think a point on that that's so important, and this will factor obviously far more into later junctures of the rankings rather than the very tippy top because you're not going to be in the very tippy top without it is that if a player is point guard size defends point guards and is not particularly good at creating good looks for themselves and or others then you're going to need that from somewhere else and while those players are useful and we've seen them be important parts of NBA champions for example and everything else it does put a lot of strain on everything else because if you if you don't have have one of these engines then it's very hard to have a really good offense and e- even honestly like that's the whole 48 minute 48 good minutes ideas that you need you need somebody like that all the time and so there are point guard sized players who play valuable roles and i think just to kind of set the table a little bit those players generally will be a little further down on my list because you have to accommodate and you can but it is a challenge so before we actually start here i want to go through some of the positional averages and normally we would wait until a little bit later to get into the role players but I, I think it'll be useful to do it at the start here to get an idea of even these top players where they fall in terms of context so these are I was a little more subjective on this one I included a few guys who are still rotation players who play have played less than 800 minutes but are just injured this year but almost all these all these players have played 500 minutes other than Goran Dragic who's still a clear rotation player and these are guys who either have played over 800 minutes or have uh, are clear rotation point guards for their team so the average point guard shoots 34 percent from three that's a little bit below the league average and that's not entirely surprising they are asked to be on the ball more they are taking a higher percentage of the three-point shots off the dribble than other positions are and also generally uh, some of these point guards just aren't great shooters they're out there for their passing and their dribbling and their scoring and their defense maybe more so than three-point shooting you see a lot of guys who come in don't shoot as well and three-point attempts per 36 minutes i thought is really fascinating for this group as well in that vein and certainly you have some unbelievable shooters the greatest shooter of all time is a point guard steph curry takes 
12.23 point attempts per 36 minutes but remember the per 36 average for threes for shooting guards was seven and for small fours is six point guards actually take fewer threes per 36 minutes than shooting guards do 5.6 threes per 36 minutes but so so that shows you then when you have the shooting at that position how valuable it is and how it really can open things up for your offense both with the guy being an off-ball player or being able to shoot the three regularly off the dribble true shooting percentage for point guards a little bit below the league average i was actually surprised as high as it is 54 percent true shooting and usage obviously is higher than average 20.5 usage and the average point guard 16.1 points per 36 minutes 6.1 assists per 36 minutes 2.3 turnovers per 36 minutes which is interesting I mean, obviously that changes a ton based uh, on the role that these guys have so a lot of these guys don't have the ball in their hands that much for the guys who do have the ball in their hands a lot then th- that number is going to go up and finally two more things i thought were really interesting rebounds 4.6 rebounds per 36 minutes is actually a little bit higher than i expected it uh, to be but uh, there's a lot of fluctuation there the leading rebounder per 36 minutes among point guards is DeJounte Murray with 8.6 and then finally free throw attempts per 36 minutes only 3.0 free throw attempts per 36 minutes this position largely does not get fouled a lot so if you're getting that at this position that's huge as well the only players who are over five in that category Russell Westbrook 5.2 De'Aaron Fox 6 Damian Lillard 6.2 Shea 7.5 John Morant 7.9 and Trey Young 7.3 in terms of free throw attempts per 36 minutes so that's all stuff to keep in mind here when we tell you some of the stats for these guys of how they compare to the positional averages and i mean i think that one of the biggest things here danny is just you do kind of have like the role player point guards and the non-role player point guards the stars but it's a little different because even the most role player point guards still have the ball which isn't the case at other positions and that that shifts some of the balance later i I think we'll get more into that later on um in terms of kind of how you square some of these strengths and weaknesses that these players have but the and we've already this is we've already gone through our definition of tiers and everything like that um so people are are deeply familiar with it and i think the place to start is last year i had stephen curry in a tier by himself and damian lillard in second in a tier by himself i don't think it is arguable that the field has come to Stephen Curry, you know, that players rising, Trey and John Morant, most notably among them. But my question to you is, do you have Stephen Curry number one and is he in a tier by himself? I really struggled with this just simply based on his performance this season compared to the regular season performance of some of these other guys. I don't think you could necessarily have him in his own tier, but he has a track record of shooting better than this. I think if I had to guess, is Steph Curry going to shoot 38% from three or better? I would say he's going to shoot better. I think he's going to be 40% or over going forward here. He's been that for every year of his career. Now, surely you wonder hey he's getting a little bit older his finishing at the rim has declined seeing him without Draymond this year as well was a little bit eye-opening perhaps so maybe I'm wrong maybe if if he just plays the way that he played this year and all these other guys played the way that they played this year and in the playoffs that's the case as well then I do think that he's back to the pack certainly in terms of just straight up 
box score statistics he's back to the pack where he was even just in the box score stuff I mean last year he was unbelievable right you know with 65 percent true shooting and usage 34 he's way down in usage way down in true shooting this year is in the I think 60 percent true shooting and usage is 31 instead of 35 from last year but the two reasons I think I still have him in his own tier is number one the gravity and just what he overall does for an offense which nobody else quite has that uh in terms of his off-ball ability and you still see yes the Warriors have this kind of weird system that doesn't run that well without him but you see what difference it makes when he's out uh and then number two I just think he's going to shoot the ball a little bit better from three than he has I'm not sure he's going to be better inside the arc than he has been but I think he's going to shoot the ball better from three and so I think with a as our criteria says with a season starting today that went forward concluding in a playoffs I still would rather have Stephen Curry clearly than any of these other guys and also he's proven it in the playoffs to me better than any of these guys have uh, as well you hit a lot of the points that I I was thinking about when I put Curry in a tier by himself but you you touched on one that I on Curry's front that I think is worth discussing on the other guys as well Trey Young this year 38 percent three-point shooting on eight attempts per 36 minutes before this year Trey was more in the like 34 percent range if that if this is a high water mark in terms of efficiency per attempt then and and hopefully it's not but it could be so if there's regression to the mean from Trey going down to closer to his career averages there and he's you know 23 could just keep getting better and John Morant this has been the best shooting year of his career also Trey best two-point year of his career more in line with what he did two years ago but the idea that those players are having these remarkable seasons that are unquestionably the best of their career and Stephen Curry is not to the standard that he was last year that that gave me some comfort also the off-ball difference here was extremely important and the Warriors system accentuates that more but Curry has that in his game to accentuate and his motor off the ball his ability to create mismatches even when he's not touching it is extremely valuable and that he can fit alongside other great offensive players better because of that and I think you can also throw in too I mean Trey and Ja I have a couple other guys actually in in tier two as well same but Trey Trey and Ja specifically uh and Dame Lillard too who I uh, will talk extensively about him later but Chris Paul less so but I would say that Steph of the super high usage point guard and Chris Paul is nowhere near as high usage as Steph is although he still has the ball a lot obviously um Steph is the best defensive player of that group like I I would say that Steph is probably about average for a point guard defensively maybe even a little bit above when you consider his team defense and he's actually probably stronger than a lot of these guys at this point but then you throw in his defense compared to his load as a small guard and yeah he's not you know you put him in an isolation on Luka Doncic like he's going to get scored on that's going to happen but he still is not a massive problem for his size and the role that he plays whereas Trey and Ja are and to me I think maybe there's an argument that Trey and Ja have been as good as Steph offensively this year but then you throw in the defense and I think he's clearly above them and I also think that Steph you know can be a little bit better than he has been so that's that's why I have him in this top group but i think you know next year my prediction would be that i won't uh and that's just what happens is he just turned 34 so it's, it's tough for him to uh and also I, I like his health a little bit better than morant's as well you know well, just or, or like i mean Cur- curry gets injured but morant just the way he plays it feels yeah. like there's always going to be something like there's that risk almost every time he takes off and 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 also like the the playoff element of this trey young's team did make the conference finals last year and trey was central to that but he had favorable 
favorable matchups and kind of like DeAndre Eaton in that sense. Incidentally, like I'm I'm excited to see even if it's a one or two game run, what Trey Young can do against teams that maybe aren't as favorable and the Hornets probably are. So maybe we won't get to see it as much this year. Maybe that's oh, oh I think the Hornets. Maybe that's more of maybe that's more a next year thing, unfortunately. And this year, you know, Trey. Well, actually, we'll save that for that. So yeah, we both have Steph Curry in it number one in a tier by himself. I was torn on it like you were, but I think I. I felt more comfortable a little bit earlier on in the process, that idea of like kind of where this season falls within each of these players best and expected value moving forward is, is important to me. Then we get into this next group and I think you and I, based on the kind of the lead in that you did, we drew the lines a little bit differently, but some of it is an argument in, in terms of kind of kind and type versus like how good they are as players. Um, My number two is Trey Young. I think that he has earned that over the last couple of years. His centrality to everything that Atlanta does offensively is genuinely impressive. And I mean, the Hawks now, this is the second consecutive year that they've had a unquestionably elite offense when he's on the floor. And I value the falls off a cliff when he's off the floor a little bit less, I think, than some do, like the on-off metrics, because it's a way of saying, like, how much is it, are they relying on this player? For me, especially at point guard, it's more like, well, how far are you actually elevating them? Like, how good is it? Yeah. And then factoring in surrounding talent. As, as a factor, but like Trey Young is the regular season straw that stirs the drink, and that drink has been fantastic over these last couple of years in Atlanta. His defense is a concern, but Young, part of why we don't do development scores in this place, that's for the top prospects, but part of what has been so impressive for me in his rise is that we were very concerned, and justifiably so, that the points of emphasis, the changing of the way fouls were going to be officiated was really going to hurt him. And Trey Young's free throw attempts have gone down, but he has made up for that by adding this mid-range game. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the week by having his most efficient three-point season and to a meaningful degree. And so he has become the best. This is the best offensive season of Trey Young's career, despite it looking like the grounds were shifting under him. Yeah, Trey actually has the highest offensive EPM of this group plus 6.2 Steph and Kyrie are tied at 5.4 but he's a negative 1.8 on defense he's always been terrible on defense in these metrics overall EPM by the way does support the idea that Steph Curry is in a separate tier than anyone else he's plus 7.2 and number two is Kyrie at plus 5.4 everyone else is is below five so and that's been the case for a long time as well we probably should have mentioned that just just the the raw on off stuff but then also any kind of impact based metric Metrics like EPM. Steph Curry's number one in Raptor as well of yeah, players among that are point old. guards. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. players. So, that are and that's been the case for years and years and years now too. So again, I just a little bit of a down year. I just wasn't quite willing to get off the train quite yet. Uh, but Trey, I mean, his passing is unbelievable. I think he's the second best passer in basketball. Uh, although you know that's that's subjective. But I mean, some of the passes that he throws to get guys dunks at the rim are just completely insane. I mean, they're, they're just such high value looks. And yeah, the defense is a concern and also his ability to score in isolation is a concern as we talked about in the 15 and 60 over the weekend he is gotten better in that area and maybe he will continue to do so uh you know I'd, I'd like to see him work more off the ball as well because he is an awesome spot up shooter to add that element to uh, his game but I, I don't see Nate McMillan necessarily <laughs> going that direction that would be wouldn't that be fascinating Danny if Steve Kerr like became the coach in Atlanta at some point but <laughs> it, it, it or someone more of that that ilk in any event though yeah trey's my number two 
if jod didn't have some of the health questions that he's had over the years i would probably have him ahead of trey because i i do think that he's gonna be a little more resilient in the playoffs uh, as a scorer a little bit more undeniable as you like to say not the same passer as trey but still very good the transition element that he provides is insane and while jod is not a great defensive player he at least doesn't have a target on his back maybe he should have more of a target on his back frankly and you know he's terrible getting around screens he's thin you know he can hold up better in an iso maybe than like Steph or Trey Young could but that's not how it goes a, a lot of the times you, you, he's definitely can fall asleep as a team defender although he will you know get out in the passing lanes and get some steals at, at some point I, it's definitely Trey Young as a bad defender is a degree beyond John Morant but I think Trey also just with his passing shooting he's just a more complete player overall particularly from regular season game to regular season game but I think if I could trust that Ja were going to be healthy through a whole season I would probably put him above Trey and I think we'll we're going to find out a ton about Ja hopefully if he's going to be healthy uh in these playoffs uh, as a playoff player he certainly had a, a nice debut last year against Utah and they've also both grown so much as players that the part of the exercise which is scaling it out a year from this point means that you could expect to see more growth with them than some of the other players you consider and I I think the next person on my list is a challenging one for this and that's Damian Lillard because Lillard last year I said he was in tier two by himself and he clearly in the only 29 games he played was well below the standard that Lillard has set but the ab injury I think is important context he never looked right this year and so instead yeah, the way and that- you could see it also just watching him right it wasn't oh, for just sure. the stats were bad he just you know there are a couple of games where he'd be okay but he clearly just you know could not move the same way and he's he had an interview with Chris Haynes he says he's healthy so I don't know it's just a question of with him going to be 32 next year like how do you price in the fact that he's older but he's also coming back from the injury and he's been dealing with this forever and hopefully now it's going to be healthy and you know I'm sure he would say hey I'm going to come back even better but he's also 32. The way that I'm dealing with this is like a player missed a year missed this entire season due to thing x that was a recoverable injury but as you mentioned damian lillard is going from his age 30 season to his age 32 season and that affects lillard in a variety of ways i mean we could see it maybe maybe some of his you know frequency gain to the basket tones down a little bit might not but also he's been a bad defender for a while and that is only going to get worse with time that said like the the lillard season so we're talking about how great trey young and john morant have been this year damian lillard's 2020 slash 21 is in the same realm as these guys i mean it's and yeah. i would argue it was better 62 plus percent, seven yes plus 7.0 epm that year 62 percent true shooting on 31 usage so that's a lower usage than trey and job but way higher efficiency which is ludicrous and the blazers obviously had a great offense and so scaling him down a little bit scaling those guys up i have them higher on the list but i think this is appropriate for what i expect from lillard and i have misgivings about all three of those gentlemen as playoff players so it's not like that is a tiebreaker for any one of them yeah I, I think that's a good way to put it probably is that dame will just have the normal age 32 season you would expect i'm not discounting him from having missed this year and had surgery clearly by the way he could have come back 
yes by now and he could have come back probably a month ago if the blazers were actually playing for anything and so yeah and that is still a very very good player and you also think with his shooting ability being the number one thing that he has that that will age a, a little bit better than you know maybe, maybe someone along the lines of, of ja who's who's more athletic um you know not that jaw's anywhere close to his peak but you know when we're talking about him as a 32 year old potentially and then chris paul i still had in this group did you not have him in this group i did not how come i don't think he can shoulder the offensive load at this point i don't think that you know if you he's not being asked to do what trey and ja and damian lillard in 2020 slash 21 have to do but i don't i don't know that he can and the he he just doesn't have that those scoring chops and he is a wonderful passer and we talked about that at length over time and he is the best defender of this group by a county mile the other concern i have for cp is that wait, wait how a count only a county mile not a country mile but just a county mile is that is that uh, yes, smaller than a country mile i i, I don't exactly know um <laughs> by by a whole lot and that matters it matters in the regular season it matters in the playoffs but i worry one about availability and the passage of time chris paul has aged better than anyone could have anticipated and this is his age 36 season but i'm a little concerned there in the idea that i don't in in at earlier points in his career i probably would have given the tiebreaker that would have pushed paul into this group would have been playoff performance and he was when especially considering the injuries he dealt with he was an important part of the suns making the nba finals last year but against most teams i think he's not at this juncture he's not creating enough of an advantage and i think we're going to see in these playoffs that facing more balanced defensive squads he won't be able to create as many advantages and that that could create that that'll that'll have some limitations and so the idea that he can't do what trey and Ja do that to me is more important than the superior defense yeah we'll see maybe in the in these playoffs you know he's back i think he's been pretty reliable from a health standpoint it just you know the covid thing obviously in last year's playoffs he couldn't have of course not no 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 blame whatsoever for him there but 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 but, you know the the stinger shoulder thing that's that's something you know the he's got a lot of hand issues but I, i think largely he's i don't consider health a detriment to him in this group at this point uh I but mean, but he, the passage is, of time for me, even though yeah. Chris Paul has aged incredibly well, that is. I mean, how many how many great point guards have you know have with weathered the 35, 36, 37, 38 transition that he's about to go through? Yeah, I, I guess that's true, right? I mean, if you, when you look at this being Chris Paul's age thirty six season, so you're talking about him being thirty seven. I think he turns thirty seven in June. Yeah, that's. I mean, when you really think about the season just starting right now, I, I'm going to keep him in this group, but I. I you know next year i anticipate he'll probably would be lower but i mean the guy he still comes to play he's still <laughs> for one sure of the best clutch players i mean that's the, he's one of the few guys whose teams have historically always been better in the clutch when when he's played at least during the regular season so i'm gonna keep him here for now i actually have him above damian lillard because i actually think there's a little more uncertainty with damian lillard coming back uh than chris paul another guy who i would have in this tier if he were sane and healthier is kyrie irving i i put him in this tier i didn't factor vaccinations decisions in at all well, well but it's always fucking something with him it is always right? something with him. right right it's always something whether it's wanting to leave the team whether it's the vaccination thing 
whether it's not wanting to play in the bubble whether it's and trying to stop the entire league from playing in the bubble as well whether it's getting into some kind of a spat with teammates whether it's just taking a personal absence that freaks out management and makes them throw everything in for James Harden or forcing his way off of one team and choosing his way off another yeah yeah exactly right so so you know which he did with the Cavs and obviously with the Celtics as well I mean can you imagine if Kyrie Irving had just stayed with the Celtics like what kind of a monster that would be right now uh their defense their defense would be different but yeah uh, yeah, I I guess would be a little bit but but still but and then you throw in the injuries as well I mean like I to me Kyrie Irving for whatever reason it is I project him to play 50 games a year and you just even just looking from a health standpoint he has let's see so 2015 didn't finish the playoffs healthy 2018 didn't finish the playoffs healthy 2019 he did 2020 did not 2021 did not so that's what three out of seven years that he's finished the season healthy and been available in the playoffs like it just yeah i mean he's so good that those uh whatever it is 41 percent odds is enough that i could still be pretty excited about him and he's he's getting a little bit older now too you know let's see how he plays if he has to make it through an entire season right like he comes back and plays amazingly but he's pretty fresh all the time because he's injured you know we haven't seen him play you know anywhere close to 70 games recently so that's why i had to put him in a tier below uh despite the fact that yeah i mean i think he's i don't know if he's i would put him below trey and ja but given what he can do as a playoff player um just when healthy you know in a game seven or whatever like i i think he could be up there with those guys and he had an unbelievable year last year too statistically but it's just he's too unreliable that's why i had to have him lower i i had him in this group just on the idea that i wanted to focus on Kyrie irving the player and he's just this unbelievable talent and I, i'm I, sure everyone would love to focus on <laughs> Kyrie irving the player it would be so great to have that luxury wouldn't it it would and irving his ability to create against high level opposition is just incredible i mean you can go back as far if you want to to the 2016 finals but what he did when available in 2021 and 2017 was also impressive 18 19 not exactly his best his best playoffs but i'm okay i'm okay with one one dud in in that whole mix when you consider the stakes that he played with and the high level opposition that irving has played against over his playoff career those warriors teams were nasty they had a lot of players that you think would defend that defend high level point guards very well and yet kyrie irving was still Kyrie Irving and of course they blew through everyone else and Kyrie wasn't the best player on those teams most games but he could be when he was and that's a his resume there is better than any of the other guys in this in this area and so that's I gave him some credit there and your point is well founded and and I I acknowledge it and I considered it though I think you value you weighted it more than I did and I respect that I think that is a reasonable opinion there's a reasonable value to have in this well well, okay so I mean let's really think about it here if you're on a random team remember this is a random team this is not the brooklyn nets this is not where kyrie irving wants to be exactly where he's been coddled this is just a random team but he's under contract he's under contract for this season we're not building this is not franchise rankings this is not happiness rankings i think he's good enough to get you in and i think he's better when you're in yeah i i I, I mean i think if you're just a random team to me like there's just no contest of whether like okay if you are the brooklyn nets yeah i think you would probably rather have Kyrie irving than trey young or john morant you've got his buddy kevin durant there you can manage him that's like the guy he wants to be with he recently said that he can't leave kevin durant and so he he plans to (laughs) stay
stay in Brooklyn. Although, you know, he said that once about Boston too. There's at least there's a little bit less time now between. I don't, I don't know that Kyrie Irving needs that much time to change his mind, but (laughs) yeah, but but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like any of these this year and his availability, I think is a separate thing. Yes. There could be another pandemic. There could be something else, but let's say you're pricing Kyrie Irving in for 50 games a year, which I thought was a very valid criticism. I think 50 games of Kyrie Irving on if you throw him on a random team like you're throwing Damian Lillard or John Morant or Trey Young on a random team, that's good enough to get you into the dance. And you're gonna not not for every team. And he he I I he is a worse, less valuable regular season player than those guys. I I'm I'm not doubting that for a second. I'm not disputing that for a second. But even though he isn't like way better defensively than those guys who are all not great shakes, and if well, this is excluding Chris Paul for the sake of this because he's not in this group for me, I trust him so much more in the postseason. And he also also, Kyrie Irving, I think that maybe it's because he's had the opportunity, but his game makes more sense alongside another great player, too. And he's done that throughout his career. He's played with a lot of really high-end players. It didn't work in one place. It has worked pretty well in two. And so for me, if it, if you're—and this will come up later on in kind of a different context—if you're good enough to get, to get the team to the playoffs— I'm not going to care as much about, okay, you're the six seed or you're the four seed or you're the three seed because I think he's more likely to win you a series at that juncture. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife... And I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? Like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing 
clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the all-star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay. And then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us one thing i will say is while Kyrie to me isn't necessarily the guy who drives efficient offense for your team when he's by himself other than with his scoring like he's just not the level of distributor over the course of his career that a lot of point guards are even someone like lillard i think is way ahead of him and obviously trey jaw chris paul even steph i would say is way ahead of, of Kyrie irving as a distributor and that that's really important from the point guard position Kyrie's ability to play next to other stars right with his shooting ability with his isolation game when you can just let him go and he's got you know reasonable size when he really wants to lock in defensively too so he can fit more i mean we've seen it with lebron we've seen it with tatum we've seen it with kd even harden as well like if he if you want to play him off the ball like he can be devastating in that role so maybe i, I agree with you there are high, super high level of teams maybe he adds more than some of these other guys when healthy but when you throw in that he's not as good to me as as the lead guy on an offense as Trey Jaw or Lillard or maybe even Chris Paul and then you throw in that you know Chris Paul is going to come in and like transform the culture of your team and make everyone winners at least for a couple of years before he pisses everyone off and Kyrie Irving is going to do the opposite if he just well, comes in on a random here's one small note on that this year Kyrie Irving on James Harden and Kevin Durant off the floor and I didn't do the digging into shooting percentages and sustainability there 115.7 that's worse than Trey that's a little bit worse that, that, than that's the offensive rating offensive rating with the nets in that circumstance last year same on off discrepancy 119.7 that is basically the same as trey and that is markedly better than jaw and i i think that Kyrie irving doesn't have the same game as those guys and i would argue that the Nets' surrounding talent if you're talking about without james harden and without kevin durant on the floor the Nets' surrounding talent is worse than the Hawks surrounding talent around Trey and the Grizzlies surrounding talent around John Morant. And I, and you know, they had, so the idea, that's fair. I didn't realize those numbers were. Yeah. So the, the idea that Kyrie doesn't do it the same way, but I think he deserves a lot of credit there. And he is, he's mercurial and he's a pain in the ass to deal with. It seems like, but I, and it's also so weird because Kyrie has had that opportunity so rarely. And when you compare Kyrie Irving, career arc to Damian Lillard and 
Chris Paul and like these players who have had opportunities to have their show in a way that Kyrie Irving has not partially by his own choice partially not that but I think I my belief is that he could do it and I think the numbers back me up on that yeah going back to his time in Cleveland and that was a long time ago obviously that that what those numbers were really bad but that, sure. that was a different situation of course so so that's so your tier two then is Trey Ja Lillard Irving yes and my my toughest omission, and I think this is going to be the next guy we talk about, was Drew Holiday. Holiday, another player who... Well, well here, let, let me say real quick of what I have. So I have Chris Paul replacing Kyrie in that two through five tier. And then tier three for me is Kyrie and Drew Holiday. I actually have Kyrie behind Drew Holiday, but in the, the same tier. <laughs> I have Chris Paul behind Drew Holiday in the same tier. So we're at, our structure is actually very similar, even though we have the Kyrie CP difference. So that means that one of this, our top seven that we haven't discussed yet is Drew Holiday. Holiday, fantastic defender. The criticism is, as it has been for a long time, that he doesn't run an offense at the same level as a lot of these other guys. And Holiday, to his credit, the numbers when he has been on the floor and Giannis has been off have been totally respectable for the Bucks. Like they've been good this year. It's just when you, when you, for me, it's, it's watching and everything else is that holiday doesn't create that same volume of shots for him, for himself and others. And over the course of his career, that's been, been the case. And yeah, he's just a different, a a clearly lower level of offensive player than everyone else that we've mentioned so far. I think that's inarguable. I agree. And holiday this year, making 41% of his three, is is fantastic yeah 40 percent of those off the dribble by the way he's really gone to a new level offensively this year and and we'll see whether that continues and or whether that's noise but that's that's a a very interesting development it is a development and so so the numbers on it people are interested drew holiday on Giannis off this year 118 offensive ratings that's kind of between Trey and Ja there. And if you go back to last year, that same constraint, it was a 120. And so you, you and they had the Bucks are well coached. They have they have spacing a lot at the five, so they can make they can make things worse. And 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 Drew has done well in that circumstance. So I seriously considered putting him in the higher tier. But and, and it might be that Drew Holiday is getting that same demerit unfairly at age 31 that that you know with Kyrie where he hasn't had it hasn't been his show in a while and the last time it was it didn't work out so well. But generally speaking i'm just not all the way there on holiday and against high level playoff opposition offensively i mean last year drew holiday point guard on the nba champions but he did have 48 percent true shooting overall in, in the, the playoffs. playoffs yeah yeah and he he had some pretty rough i mean the whole bucks team really had a i, I mean it was maybe you know unless you're going back to like some of these pistons teams or something uh or spurs in 2005 like this is one of the worst offensive performances for an nba champion that we've seen it in the playoffs but it just their defense was so good it didn't matter and that's obviously you know he is is he the best defender at the point guard position since we had marcus smart as a shooting guard i i think he's i would still take him over to jante i would say because dejante is doesn't have the strength that drew has so yeah i I think he's clearly the best i mean he can guard just about anyone in the one through three and really the only you got to get to like a kd level of matchup before you feel uncomfortable And, and remember that he was the primary defender on kd in the 2018 playoffs partially because new orleans had no one else but yeah that was and, and, and he got lit up there and he also in the playoffs last year did get lit up by kd when that was the match 
matchup. That's why they they went to Tucker so much. Uh, and KD lit up a lot of guys in that in that playoffs, obviously. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's a point guard. You know, you can't expect him to guard no. Kevin Durant, and he and, can and guard he's, most and other he's guys. so much better. Like I mean, Drew Holiday, he I are how many two guards would you take over him defensively? Are there are there really any? Yeah, other than smart, uh, I don't know that there would be any. Um, you know, maybe maybe I would have taken nah, probably even Pete Clay. I don't think I would have. Clay was probably better on switches, but Drew is is a more active defender, better help guy. Yeah, it, it, maybe I'm missing someone here, but I don't think so. I mean, let, maybe you would say Thibel is a Drew. I still, actually I would rather have Drew defensively than Thibel anyway. Now, I would too. I will I will note that Drew I think has slipped this year defensively as the Bucks themselves have really fallen off, uh, and his offense has gone up. I fully expect that he's going to be back to the same guy in the playoffs. And if he's not, then we'll adjust it accordingly. I mean, this is, has he turned 32 yet? I think he's right in that range. In June. Is when he turns 32. Yeah, so. Yes. So that's getting up there a little bit. Like, expecting him to bring that level of defensive effort throughout the entire season is probably unrealistic. But in the playoffs, I that's a big part of my thesis here is that he can be one of the best guys still in the playoffs. And, and also, I thought that series changed against the Bucks when they started putting him on Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Kyrie Irving could not get anything in isolation against Drew Holiday. Obviously, Irving then went down, but Game Three and then part of Game Four, which the Bucks were leading comfortably when early went when uh, Irving went down, like Drew just locked him up pretty damn well. Um, he's not quite as good as a tra- tracking shooters off ball guy than he is on ball. Um, yeah. Which is so, why so part of yeah. why I've been so frustrated that he's spent less time guarding point guards in certain series, mostly because they, he's been the most capable of that. But I, I I just think Drew like that guarding those on ball guys is just he's just monster yeah so he you've got drew and chris paul six and seven is that right yes and i and, and then i ha- i have a line and i thought this was a more clear line it's not as extreme as member of the number five center you and i disagreed again we had kind of similar yeah. disagreements within it but it was that five to six was a pretty severe drop-off for now seven to eight was a pretty clear drop-off for me yeah i would agree with that as well um you know, Drew for a lot of teams because the the I have four guys in this next group that I think of as like lower end all star type of guys, and Drew to me on a lot of teams would be more in that group. You know, I think of Drew as kind of a lower end all star, but because Drew fits much better with other stars, particularly now that he can shoot the way that he can, that's why I had him above because I don't think any of these guys that we're gonna get to now, I don't think of any of these guys as like so good that they're the second best player on a championship team whereas drew you know can kind of be like a 2a on a championship team but he's one of the best 2a 2b type of guys that's out there because of his defense and just his well-rounded skill set so here's my tier four eight through 11 i had four guys here and this is you could talk me into any order with well not quite any of these guys but uh number eight is jamal murray number nine darius garland number 10 fred van vliet and number 11 shea gilgis alexander we're close but not quite the same here and i think the difference is going to be fascinating so i originally had a larger group at my tier four and um so i was i was sorting between and so it's all four guys that you mentioned and then i was also evaluating lamello ball mike conley and kyle lowry like those were the players that i was working through and i was it was it was, it was more of like a preliminary so the way that i do this is i kind of put players in basic blocks and then i get more deep into the analysis and i of course those things are not fixed you can move guys up and down oh i thought about this guy differently everything else like that 
I ended up separating out two guys at the top over that group. So you separated four, I separated two. And those two for me are Darius Garland and Jamal Murray in either order. And Murray, the ability to play alongside another high-level player, and also I, I believe Jamal Murray, again, another guy who hasn't really had the full chance to run his own show, I firmly believe they can. But for me, what Garland has done this year separates him from somebody like Shea Gildas-Alexander or Fred Van Vliet to be the lead creator and on a team that has offensive talent but doesn't have like perfect offensive talent they're playing very big and they don't always have the greatest shooting it is a small sample size and I am a little bit concerned that I'm putting the cart before the horse a little bit with Garland but I'm willing to do that sort of like you were a couple years ago with John Morant for a player that I truly believe in and I believe in Garland that much yeah Garland to me he's really slipped he's down to 36 percent from three now he was around 40 percent most of the year that's a big part of the argument for him and he's playing this ridiculous minutes load he's been playing with this back injury that they have to manage asking a lot like he's he's all cleveland has on the perimeter offensively so that that's tough now part of the argument for him was that he was able to handle that and it that does seem to be breaking down a little bit but he still is a very good passer his shooting off the dribble is really good he can play off the ball as well and come off for sure uh for jumpers which is impressive you know his finishing game right at the rim is not that amazing i think he's an above average distributor maybe not the absolute best and i'd like to see him in a playoff setting against a switching defense really having to iso you know I, I think my prediction is he's is already starting to happen that if they do get into the play-in or the playoffs i mean that you know some of their competition in the play-in is not exactly defensive juggernauts but they get into the playoffs i think he's going to struggle this year sure i mean Gar but, yeah. garland far better against the bottom 10 like as i watch him like think back to that game against the pacers far better against like the bottom 10 to 15 than he is against the top 10 but other than Jamal Murray, who has, who has been hit or miss at times in the playoffs, but has a whole lot more hits than these other guys offensively, I don't love the playoff. I mean, you, like you had Shea in this tier. I had him slightly below. Shea's playoff resume is limited and distinctly not great. Yeah, well, and that was when he was in a completely different role as well. Sure. That was two years ago. It was only his second year as well. So I, I think he's a, a different player. And for Shea, I don't know, should we talk about him now? Um, well, I, just, I, is, there, yeah. is there more on Garland? Because I think once we get, I think we should yeah. do Garland murray first because well, okay okay so so yeah i, I don't have uh, garland i think can be attacked defensively as well he's gotten a little bit better there they've been part of a good defense so he's not a huge liability but obviously for a big wing he'll be a pick and roll attack target sure so i i think he's just a very solid like lower end all-star point guard who was capable of getting cleveland's offense to be good enough to where they were able to be a playoff team or at least close to it this year we'll see how things end up and then murray more size at this position position than a lot of guys i wouldn't consider him a defensive plus but he's gotten much better obviously than he was a, as a rookie i'm gonna assume that by the beginning of next year he's gonna come back and pretty much be 100 percent given his age and that acl injuries usually aren't career enders or career changers anymore particularly if you're young which he is so i i'm i don't think he's gonna come back this year but i think you know the way we do this when guys are out for an extended period is we pretend as if they have gotten healthy right at the start of this season that we're talking about here and so that that's the assumption for him and i think he'll it'll take him some time to ease into next year but i think he has been at a higher level than any of the other guys in this group I agree. When healthy. And, you know, such a good shooter from three. He really improved his three-point shooting over 40% last year. 
he can run pick and roll he can score in isolation he's an improved finisher probably an above average defensive point guard just because he's got more size and so guys are they're just not going to go at him quite as much more so than that he's actually you know better getting around screens or anything anything like that he plays that two-man game really nicely with Jokic but the his ability to play on or off the ball is really really impressive and he could probably do more as a pick and roll guy on a different team as well so I, I like his fit with a, in a lot of different possible systems and as you mentioned you know he's had some real good uh, playoff success so I, I don't really have much more to say about him I think he's just uh, very he's never made an all-star team but I think of him as you know a lower end all-star quality starting point card one other thing to mention briefly with Jamal Murray a little bit under one point per possession on jump shots off the dribble his last healthy season strong not ludicrous but strong and then 1.3 per possession on catch and shoots which is insane like that's one of the higher marks around and so that is a part of why Jamal Murray can fit in either capacity I think he's capable defensively and yeah in the 40% shooting it helps that he takes more of his threes are assisted than a lot of these guys because he gets to play along with with Jokic the best passer in the NBA but he has been able to to do it in in his role and that that playoff success the 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 flurries that can happen with Murray I think is such a valuable thing to a high level team and we're moving into the area here where these guys aren't I wouldn't expect them to be the best player in championship team and maybe that best player is a defender and so he's the best offensive player and you have to try to make it work and I there's a part of me that appreciates that variance that says if he just gets into that mode and you can't really stop him well then your team's winning that game and if he can do that twice in a series gives you a decent shot there and Jamal Murray has done that of course in his playoff career and I think now we can move into Shea Gildas Alexander and I've been a big Shea supporter over the years and I mean I have him in the next year I'm still I'm still really high on him but the balance for me is he is a wonderful pick and roll operator he's one of my favorite pick and roll players in the NBA but we now have three seasons of Gildas Alexander with the the thunder and season one he was playing alongside you know cp in that very different circumstance 35 percent from three last year 42 percent from three so far this year 30 percent and if you are not the level of athlete that john morant is and you're I mean, not well, can, can i stop you there though i mean i know he's not this great athlete but he, like he leads the nba and drives like whether sure. he's a great athlete or not like he gets there he he gets there but i think and the and the fact that he's able to drive that much with the surrounding talent that he has like shea ecosystem stuff and i mean i think mark dagnold is a very good coach but they just have less offensive talent than any of these teams do and they care less about maximizing their offensive talent right now than any of these other teams too so there's that I have concerns about Shay defensively and I'm I'm just I'm worried that his kind of pull up on ball game will need some growth to get to the level of some of these other guys and I don't doubt that he can get there I'm a believer in it but if it's starting a season right now I and yeah I know he's put up these incredibly high scoring numbers on high volume we talked about that at length in a 15 and 60 recently I I'm just not I'm not I'm not sure of that in the way that I am for Darius Garland personally yeah it's tough because he's been in on this weird team the last couple of years and like you I'm skeptical that he's a 41% 
three-point shooter. He did that last year in like, you know, a thousand minutes or something. But the way he gets to the basket and the way he can finish and just how hard he is to keep out of the paint. Like, sure. Even, even as the only guy on this team, teams still can't keep him out of the paint. And he also has been, as a passer, he's not, I wouldn't consider him elite, but I consider him very solid. And he's just gets screwed by the fact that nobody can ever make shots off of his pass. I think he, he's been one of the unluckiest players in the NBA in terms of guys just not making shots off of his passes. I'm going to just go with what I see on film ultimately with him to have That's him fair. in this group because I, yeah I'm sorry. Go, no go ahead yeah I, I, and I think it's just he's very very difficult to deal with and yeah we I have concerns right his defense the last time we saw him in the playoffs was atrocious and it sure as hell hasn't gotten better as but they've they've been a decent defense even with him out there but yeah when he gets attacked he just needs to be better like he doesn't try hard enough he's not strong enough or intense enough that that's an issue and the three-point shooting I, I think he's probably you know a 34 percent off the dribble three-point shooter like he shot it better after the all-star break i'm a little worried about some of these injuries that he's had because that plantar fasciitis he wasn't able to play for canada last year although maybe that was more based on using that as an excuse because he was about to get a max contract extension and he didn't want to mess that up than the actual injury but he's missed plenty of time a lot of guys who play for the thunder have missed plenty of time he, he hasn't had to have a surgery at least which is good but i i think just what what he's able to do getting to the basket that's just so hard to deal with and if we saw him as the lead engine on a real team i don't know if we'd be talking about him in like that trade jog group but i think it's very possible if he had more around him that he could be clearly above like garland or van vliet or murray i I would say if i had to pick yeah him and garland is such an interesting question yeah i might actually have shea above him interesting uh, above garland i would just but yeah it's tough though i think garland's a me a little better passer he's a better shooter more versatile shooter shea is better defensively but that's neither of them are really that great there Shea's just a way better driver and finisher yeah that's like totally splitting hairs between those guys so do you shed Shea though in a lower tier at least I had him uh, I had him in a lower tier though I had him towards the top of it um the last player that you had in this group is Van Vliet correct yeah did you have him here too I had him so I only had two guys in that higher tier I have him in that same group with Shea so that was Murray you had Murray and Garland by themselves yes as as eight and nine yes as eight Garland and Murray I mean that's what same tier some difference yeah Um, that's uh that's Jamal Murray by the way to be clear not not DeJounte Murray DeJounte will come up pretty soon but yeah um, I'm guessing his ranking is going to be controversially low we'll we'll find that out but yeah to me Fred Van Vliet just he might be second unless you're talking about well you know we didn't consider when you're talking about the best defender is Gary Payton the second so he sure I would say Gary Payton the second is probably ahead of of Van Vliet but ahead of Van Vliet I don't I don't think I have him ahead of Drew though no I wouldn't either because I think Drew's Drew is stronger but I mean in the regular season in a 20 minute per game role yeah I would agree ahead of these guys but Fred Van Vliet he plays a ton of minutes he's taking a ton of threes over nine for 36 minutes many of those off the dribble but he can also play off the ball come off of screens or just spot up for you as well 40 percent three-point shooter in his career he just shoots this crazy moon ball that he's able to get off somehow and then I've never been more wrong about a player I think evaluating him defensively when he first started I was like what the hell are they playing this guy like he's five foot eleven like how can he be good defensively what are they doing and he's one of the best at his 
this position tracking shooters off the ball he's really good but he's just an absolute bulldog he can get underneath guys he can switch against a lot of guys and at least hold up for a time gets a lot of steals really good help defender just a, a complete defender at the point guard position he'll take charges and he also pushes it really hard in transition i mean th- his big weakness is and he's a good passer too his big weakness is just scoring inside the arc which is a pretty big weakness and that's why he's not higher than this but just an incredible probably third banana on a really good team we've already seen that on playoff teams for him you know he can also just start at the two for you if you need because he's so good defensively if you want to play him next to another point guard and two point guard lineups that kind of makes up for the fact that he can't score inside the arc as well just one of my favorite players in the whole league just an absolute also as you mentioned such a phenomenal player development story where van vliet did early on it was the defense that he defended well enough to to stay on the floor and then it's been the offensive growth so far and i don't think of van vliet as that you know part of the reason he's not as high for me is that i i you know i use the phrase the him alone test and it's like if fred van vliet's on a team i don't think they're gonna have a very good offense with him as the best player but they'll have a good one and that is a huge huge step forward for him based on on where things were and the raptors numbers when he runs pick and roll have been solid not ridiculous but when you consider the surrounding talent that i'm i'm very happy with that and as you mentioned he is one of the best defenders at this position so i value the idea that he fits you know that you can use him as your second best offensive player a lot more easily than these players not only in terms of the way he can function within the offense but also his skill set can work a lot better offensively and defensively but i have him in this group um so my kind of tier five which is i don't know if it's bigger than yours because we haven't gotten all the way through it with shea gildas alexander and with Lamelo ball and the Lamelo fred van vliet conundrum is that they're such spectacularly different players and you could make an argument to me like that's why they sh- to me they should be in the same tier there are a bunch of teams that would be way better with one and way worse with the other and you could flip it around and also the other reason for me with Lamelo, so i actually have Lamelo 10th and this is the last tier that i ranked is the concept of the passage of time fred van vliet has improved so much and he's so much better at age 27 than he was at 24 than he was at 22 but Lamelo Ball is twenty. Like this is his age twenty season, and this hasn't been as as stark of an improvement as I hoped from his first to his second year. But the force that he is within this Hornets offense is striking. You said it was a conundrum with Van Vliet and Lamelo. I just, to me, it's not even close. I, I think Van Vliet is just so much more of a winning player at the highest levels, and I think you'd even be hard pressed to prove that Lamelo is like that much better offensively, even in the regular season, than Fred Van Vliet. Like Lamelo, just he's not he's not a real player yet he's not a winning player yet he definitely helps push this hornets offense which is a little bit of just a, a funhouse mirror of a team to being pretty good you know his usage is higher than you think it is his three-point shooting i think we probably got to get come around to the idea that he is a at least a solid high 30s three-point shooter shooting off the dribble on spot ups at, at significant volume he's a really good free throw shooter so I, that part of him i buy great transition guy great passer but not really a pick and roll engine like i I might actually prefer honestly like Fred Van Vliet running a pick and roll at the end of the game over Lamelo because I just don't think Lamelo is a good enough scorer inside the arc I think Van Vliet at least will get underneath the basket for some help make a pass potentially like Lamelo there's just too much risk of him wildly going towards the basket and getting up in the air and just throwing some layup off the backboard that's not even close as he loses the ball out of his hands so I mean you know I've been on the Lamelo train from the beginning I didn't think he should have been an all-star this year I thought there were superior like 
him making it over Drew Holiday was completely insane. And I think he's going to get to be a much better player. I think he's going to round out these aspects of his game. He's other than just gambling a lot on defense, he doesn't do much there. And he is zero physical toughness. And I, I'm not going to say zero mental toughness, but I do think there's there needs to be a little bit more of an element of perseverance in his game of really just digging in and being determined rather than just kind of doing the flashy stuff all the time. So that's what I, when he had just he's not a real playoff player the way Fred Van Vliet is. I I would say if you if you ask 30 coaches of who they'd rather have in the playoffs, like every yeah. single one of them would say Fred Van Vliet. The playoff structure, um, I'm I you've you've worked. I'm still keeping the tiers the same, but I'm gonna I move Van Vliet over Lamelo within this tier. Um, that that the idea that he fits alongside on a competitive team that's a very that's a very fair point. I was thinking of it more in the like how they drive it in the regular season and the expected improvement from this juncture but that is that is completely reasonable and for Lamelo, you brought up that the you know that we're going to need to come to grips with his shooting I think that's completely fair this year 8.3 attempts per 36 minutes making 38% of them and remember he was 35% on lower volume last year so this is not the quite the extreme potentially hopefully of Shea Gilles Alexander's kind of three-year split where he went from 35 to 41 to 30 like we could see a regression but I also think LaMelo's form has gotten better and I'm impressed with the volume there and yes he's not a great two-point finisher but there there aren't that many of these guys in this group that actually are which is kind of an interesting split like LaMelo's 46% on twos Van uh, on a higher volume than Van Vliet who's at 44. Van Vliet's spacing on the Raptors is significantly worse the funhouse mirror part I think that actually impacts two-point shooting more than more than anything else arguably free throw drawing as well also none of these guys incidentally in this tier are, great, are particularly great free throws throw dryers. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. So 
I would say kind of the the highest. Where, where do you think? Who do you think of the players that we haven't named yet? Who is the most worthy of next discussion? Well, that would be Kyle Lowry for me. I think that's fair. My I I had I went with Lamelo and Kyle Lowry in their own group as tier five at twelve and thirteen, and I really was like, shouldn't I just put them further down with Murray and Conley? I'm like, no, I think there's a clear delineation between those guys and and Murray Conley and then I have some other players below them as well Kyle Lowry to me it is it's been a weird year for him he's had a lot of personal absences he's just taken on this pure point guard role where he hasn't really shot much but he's now started to ramp that up a little bit he still is capable of doing a lot of switching he's a a feared shooter feared transition player and he and Van Vliet are such similar players in a lot of ways and I think maybe it's not a surprise that Van Vliet kind of learned from Kyle Lowry Lowry is not really a pick and roll operator inside the arc anymore we saw at times in the 2020 playoffs that he could still ramp that up and try to get to the basket and draw some fouls but that aspect of his game has really waned and we haven't seen him in a playoff setting since then I do think he has another gear to take it to and that he's kind of been a little bit in chill mode this year for Miami and so that's part of what this is based on I think based on what he's been in the regular season this year you couldn't have him this high but I I still think that he's gotten plenty of rust this year as well I think he's going to still be a force in the playoffs in a way that he hasn't been in the regular season so that's kind of really what this is based on I mean we know what Kyle Lowry has been for a long time and I I think I think that he can still summon that in burst in the playoffs and that's why I have him side and comparing him to I think he's he's just a guy who at this position doesn't really have any huge weaknesses right and and that's why I ended up with Lowry in a different tier than Mike Conley which I I was really torn on that to kind of aging aging really talented players but the combination of defense which i mean lowry is a markedly better defender than mike conley and scalability kind of not not even scalability but role within a successful team offensively and defensively that's kind of the differentiator and yeah so for me like having lowry in this conversation seemed totally fair and i'm a little bit worried i mean he just he turned 36 a couple of days ago that he just that some some of these things are going to fade but that also might be a little bit later so i i'm not sure that i will have lowry in this same area next year but i think he can play at this level for a regular season and a playoff starting now so here's my tier six now which is the in the 14 through 19 range i didn't really go in any particular group Dejounte murray mike conley spencer dinwiddie tyrese halliburton De'Aaron fox and tyrese max and let's start with murray first because he did make the all-star team this year albeit as an injury replacement so i'm guessing that having him in this 14 to 19 range is going to be controversial it seems like you feel the same way about him so i I I'll do. let you start on, on why you're he's not you know because a lot of people be like oh he's a, he's also an also like he should be up there with Murray and Garland Van Vliet and Gilgis Alexander why isn't he? I don't think DeJounte Murray creates the same level of like offense you know the kind of the concept of if you put DeJounte Murray on an average team I don't think that he is the level of I don't think he has the nuances to his offensive game he's still you know very limited spot up shooter and he is a talented defender but partially due to not a big surprise the larger offensive workload he is not at the same level that he was two three years ago and that, that that's still a whole lot better than most of his brethren almost all of them to be, yeah. to be clear I, I mean he's probably still a top five defender at this sure. position at least so at least among starters for sure. at least among starters and but the idea that and and you could argue that maybe the ecosystem in san antonio hasn't been as favorable they've had you know the their philosophies have been a little bit 
have been outdated at times and they play big a lot and they played limited shooting at different periods of time and he had to share the floor and maybe some of it is you know like like for example last year this maybe it's well last year he wasn't driving as efficient nearly as efficient offense and he's been better this year and so maybe i should at age 25 i should acknowledge this as real improvement and that it's just that that's the player he is now and and that's fair and if and if Dejounte murray continues we'll do that but if i'm going to if my part of the goal for me with point guard is set it and forget it and it's hard for me when somebody is you know, I does it, now Dejounte is taking more threes, so he has he has upped his volume all the way, all the way to 4.4 per 36 minutes, which is still really it's low for yeah. a high I end. Mean, if you watch him, he's largely taking them when the defense is daring him to. Exactly, he, he's. I mean, there'll be times maybe when he'll get a little bit more aggressive looking for that, and also I do wonder about hey, if he's on uh, a different team that wants to emphasize the three more rather than the mid-ranger which he's taking uh it, maybe it would be different there but you know still 32 percent on a relatively low diet like i don't I, I think he is a i consider his three-point shooting to be a, a significant negative still when you're too. talking about a guy that you're putting the ball in his hands well, all the time it also is a big detriment for playing murray because we're in this range now where like let's say this is a big argument in favor of fed fred van vliet and kyle lowry where they might not be good enough to lead you to a high-end offense but you can play them with someone else who can do that Dejounte Murray isn't a reliable shooter, so you can't do that in the same way. It's not as extreme as somebody like Ben Simmons, but it is a real consideration. And so if your team, if you're trying to reach the highest levels and you have and Dejounte Murray is your best or second best offensive player, you're going to run into some problem because you have to balance that out. And I mean, you can even go to some of the awkwardness of his fit with DeRozan, his awkwardness of the fit with Derek White. And with Dejounte, his pull-up twos, like the growth there is extremely encouraging and maybe that could extend whether it's that he's not being asked to do it or he just doesn't have the confidence yet but when you go from somebody who basically didn't take threes at all and didn't take them especially as pull-up shots like i mean this is that we work when we're comparing this so per 36 minutes like Dejounte murray his first year as a starter was under one three-point attempt for 36 minutes and then he's gone up to two and three and now four but those are still like the difference between four per 36 and seven or eight is basically basically all of the discretionary ones all of the hard ones and so you would expect that that efficiency if he ever got there would have to would drop or he's gotten a whole hell of a lot better yeah when you consider how often he has the ball as well yes that that's that number is well below average for the position and then so yeah i think as as an off-ball guy like he's just he's not and i just don't think he's good enough on ball i mean that's the other thing like if he were sure. just some monster on ball offensively then that would be different but like the old the old russell westbrook argument yeah i, I mean he doesn't he can't really create create much in isolation uh and if he does it's going to be a mid-ranger you know the mid-range like he's shooting above league average now on these mid-rangers right he's 45 percent or so basically but he's taking over 50 percent of his shots from twos away from the rim and so yeah 45 percent is nice it's above league average but when you're taking so many of those and that's your offense you're just gotta be a ceiling you're putting a ceiling on what your offense can be when you take that many mid-rangers at a 27 
37% usage. And all right, if you're DeMar DeRozan and you're Katie, you're hitting 50% or high 40s. Okay, maybe now we're talking about something different. He doesn't really get to the rim very often in the half court. It has at least improved his finishing, which is good there, but he's not getting on top of the rim. He does have a ton of assists. I still don't think of him as a top five passer at this position. I think no. he just has the ball so much and San Antonio moves the ball so much and they do a lot of off ball movement. So he'll throw some really nice passes every once in a while, but you're also, you're not looking, if you compare like Trey Young passing where his numbers actually per 36 in terms of assists are relatively close to Trey, it's just not the same to me. I, I would even consider Jaws as a better passer than him. Chris Paul, obviously, as well. So I think he's in that next group as a passer. He's not really like a huge threat pushing the ball in transition. Like I consider DeJounte Murray to be an average offensive point guard at, at best. And then he, he has to have the ball because of the, his really lack of an off-ball game. So that, that's and the other problem. One way of phrasing this is that DeJounte Murray, this is his career high in terms of efficiency. This is his, the best offensive season of DeJounte Murray's career. 53% true shooting on 27 usage. And yes, point guards are below are below that, but we're, we're set, you know, if, if we're talking about, well, why is he below some of these other some of these other players it's like Shea Gildas Alexander is shooting 30% from three this is like the worst the worst shooting year of his career he's still at 56% because of how he can get to the line and get to the basket and yeah he doesn't get to the foul line either Murray right exactly and so the and with Murray he's improved a lot to get to that point whereas Gildas Alexander because the three-point shooting at least this has been a down season for him so and, and if you're comparing DeJounte Murray to Fred Van Vliet he has more versatility to his offensive game which matters a lot so like yeah if you if you told me Fred Van Vliet is the alpha and the omega for a team offensively I might be in a similar I might think of it I, I think Van Vliet's better but not like markedly markedly better but if you but van vliet as the second best player it works so much better yeah now the other thing too to mention is some of the on-off metrics actually like what he's done this year but they don't really have another point guard they haven't all year like it's no. been Derek white backing him up and white white should probably get moved to shooting guard next yeah. year honestly um but then also or it's been trey jones backing him up and those obviously things are going to run a lot, a lot well, worse and, with those guys than with and, and that's, who is a, a real point guard and that's a part of why i focus more we brought this up earlier on how well the team plays when you're on the floor rather than the on off because the off part of it is so dependent on surrounding talent and i know the models account for that but it is it is something that i kind of see a little bit differently so mike conley great off the dribble three-point shooter he's really added that part of his game still can get in the lane and pass his finishing at the rim is kind of gone at this point he's actually played more than i expected him to this year but he clearly ran out of gas and had to be have his playing a back-to-backs reduced again and defensively he's just a little bit too small at this point he used to be a big plus back in his heyday in memphis but that that's no longer the case now like he'll still operate the scheme defensively he'll still try to get around screens and follow shooters around screens but he just doesn't have the size to really impact and yes it's it's tougher for him because he's also playing next to a small two guard who has some of the same weaknesses that he has and i think he i wouldn't consider him below average as a defender but no uh and he just can't play that many minutes that more anymore can't play that many games anymore and he's kind of he's got the alley passing a little bit of a floater great shooter off the dribble so i think just a more of just a quality starting point guard at this point in time can play on or off the ball but really at a point where he's your third best player now it gets a little bit more difficult because he just can't if he could just play more at this level without breaking down or without having to just not play back-to-backs and stuff then maybe i might consider him more in that lowry group but i think he 
just is he could be attacked defensively now as many point guards can but that's not a plus for him anymore and then just not able to play as often can't really create an isolation very much either at this point um so that that's uh why i kind of just have him in this what i consider to be like very solid starter group rather than you know a, a sub all-star type of level Connolly also has the passage of time going against him next year will be his age 35 season and that can we're seeing point guards age better and and i, I mean the, the sales pitch for him i mean Connolly has been effective this year 57 percent for shooting he's still making his threes 40 percent on 7.2 per 36 and you could see his value to me in absentia in the in the jazz in the jazz series against the clippers last year where yes a lot of the problems there were defensive and Connolly wouldn't have solved that but they missed him offensively for a lot of that series and i thought that was a part of kind of how how everything fell apart for utah and yes he was on the floor in their game six loss but overall i i thought that that made it made a big difference in that series but i don't trust him to quite that same degree as everybody else and i don't know that he can handle the role within the offense that a lot of these guys do now he Connolly is not being asked to do that as much because he's playing with with donovan mitchell and the Connolly go bear you know the that those lineups typically crush second units but i think this is a fair place to put him i can't i didn't i don't remember if you mentioned this name but somebody else i have in this year and it's probably going to be controversial that he's included with this and i've been on this train for a while and you've been on it i think for even longer than i have spencer dinwiddie probably benefits more from the timing of this analysis and podcast than anybody because if we had done this right when he left the wizards it would have been like well you know 50 percent for shooting but he he I, I have seen enough right now to believe that the time in Washington was more anomalous. Not that he's necessarily going to be this player forever, but that Dinwiddie is the guy I thought he was. Yeah, I think so. And now he's not going to continue to shoot 40% from three, Sure, I would guess. And But what does make me believe that his performance in Dallas is real now is the way he's getting to the basket and finishing right. in a way that he just, his, his numbers getting to the rim and finishing at the rim were way down in Washington. And yeah, it definitely helps to be able to play some off of Luka to be sure but at this level we're not talking about a guy who's going to be the number one option and you know we haven't seen Dinwiddie running a ton of pick and roll he's really been more off the ball attacking from the wings there been hasn't been much time when he's played without either Luca or Brunson but again as I said he's that's not his job to be the number one option It'd be nice at this point in the process but I'm more interested in a guy who can just be a solid starter playing next to other good players like I still think he's a good passer he's I think he's a good enough shooter to where he can play next to these players and not take anything off the table and then i think he's not a great defender but he's got solid size and strength for his position in a way and maybe he'll end up being more of a two as time goes on you know we as i said we haven't seen him running a lot of pick and roll a lot of creation necessarily but he still is 23 percent usage which is pretty good for a, a player like that and yeah i think he's just a, another guy who fits in solidly and doesn't have any major weaknesses now that he seems to be back and there's also a reason number one he didn't seem to fit in personality wise in Washington but number two that he was coming back from that partially torn ACL and he does seem athletically fully recovered in a way that he didn't for a lot of the scene wash am I remembering correctly that the last person you had in this group was Tyrese Halberton uh no I had two more actually as well I had De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Mason. oh both of them okay yeah and Halberton I don't know it's he's kind of played pretty much in these sort of funny money funhouse mirror sort of situations as well in similar fashion to Shea Gilgis Alexander and that those guys have some of the same weaknesses although I would say Hal Burton although he's got some smarts as a team defender is way worse even than Shea as an individual defender because he's even thinner they those similar body structures they also incidentally have the same weird ephus step back to their right uh, as well 
but Halliburton I think is a really good passer at his position and can play off the ball and is just a really good shooter and so that's why I think he could fit a lot of places he's not ready to win yet at a playoff level well especially with how bad he is defensively right exactly I mean he and he just he's he is still is like a pretty loose handle he can only go right like there there are a lot of weaknesses in his game that I think could be exploited at the playoff level but he's also a guy who can be a solid passer for you and play on or off the ball and drive some decent offense in the regular season so that's why I have him about here and I also think that he's going to improve significantly like next year I think the Pacers are going to actually really try to win and I think he's going to improve significantly as a result of that I'm excited Uh, to see how Rick Carlisle uses Halliburton next year because assuming and this might not be a proper assumption that Brogdon and Duarte are still around there are a lot of different ways to make that work you could be playing Halliburton on ball you could playing off ball I know they want to grow that part of Duarte's game as well and then of course you have Malcolm Brogdon I had Halliburton he was my toughest omission from this tier I had him in the I had him in the tier below and for me it was a less tough omission for De'Aaron Fox who was in the same tier with Tyrese Halliburton former teammate and for me with Fox it's a similar story to DeJounte Murray offensively where if he's the guy I don't your offense will be good but not great and I don't love them playing off ball as much but for me Murray is so much better defensively than Fox even though we liked Fox's defensive tools coming in going back to when you and I saw him at the hoop summit and so for me Murray like Fox is just a he's a meaningfully worse version of DeJounte Murray which meant that I felt uncomfortable having them in the same tier yeah I don't know that I feel those players are that similar Fox to me yeah he's taken a major step back this year with his shooting I think even with his defensive effort is getting to the foul line I think he's actually low-key been hurt by some of the rules changes as well and it's just it's been a weird kind of lost year for him he's probably not going to play the rest of the year with this hand issue now but he still shoots well above 50 percent on twos his efficiency decline is basically all due to threes this year his assists are way down also part of that's probably due to playing with Halliburton more he still can be an incredible engine pushing in transition although it just it's been a weird year for him I I can't like nobody was really complaining about his max contract after last year right he he had a really good year and it just I'm not ready to shovel dirt on him yet like last year I had him at number 10 and we'll talk about risers and fallers later on but guys don't just like fall off a cliff like this at 24 and not bounce back unless injury related or there's something else going on I mean Sacramento has been a total shit show and maybe it'll just continue to be that and but I, I think he's just gonna bounce back like my, my projection obviously based on how he's played this year he should be potentially lower you know maybe even in the 20s but I, I just think that his his future is better I I think of Fox you know so in the, in the, it's a, a weird kind of motley crew for me from 27 sorry from 17 to 24 of players that do different things well do different things poorly and there's I, I have always kind of had a group that it's like probably gonna start for you but you're looking for an upgrade and I think that's a great description of where I am with De'Aaron Fox over next year. I agree with you that I think next year will be brighter, but I think the idea that it looked more like there was a kind of a line of progression and Fox had improved as a three-point shooter from his his fourth year and the Kings offense was was doing well and everything like that. I'm I'm less sold on him even in a better and, and I mean it's not the, the Kings are playing plenty of offensive players. It's not a circumstance that their defense has been abysmal for a bunch of different reasons. And I wonder how playing with Sabonis I'm I'm confident that it will make Fox's efficiency stats better, but I'm not confident that it will make me feel better about him running an offense because we, we won't see it as much and everything else. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So I, I had this big group from 17 to 24. Is that kind of how you had it too, or did you have, did you have narrower splits? Well, remember, I, I finished up with, I had Fox, Maxi, Halliburton, Dinwiddie, Conley, and Murray in the 14 sure. and 19 range. Um, and, and yeah, Fox, I, I think I tried to make my case for him as much as I could. And, and Maxi, another guy who has really improved as a three-point shooter, like that's the biggest reason why he's in this group now is that he's an aggressive three-point shooter. He's really good in transition, really good getting to the the rim he's got this floater that he hasn't used much this year but i think maybe could be used a little bit more philly is kind of a weird team with Embiid and now with harden where he's not able to develop as much as a traditional point guard but you know he's not really a great pick and roll craftsman you know snaking the pick and roll setting guys up i consider him a below average passer for this position and also i think he's poor in isolation you know that's something that really watching a lot of philly over the last month he really has not been able to get separation even against guys when he he has a favorable matchup because the other team's best defender is on Harden. Uh, but I do think he's a guy who can play on or off the ball to some degree. And I think he's just going to get better. And I really like the transition element as well. Even if he is, you know, he's he and Fox are probably about equal defensively. He, he's bad defensively. He tries, but he's he's bad. So uh, that's that's where I see Tyrese. I mean, I think he's just a, a quality starter at point guard at, at this point in time with given his athleticism and his youth, the possibility of getting better over the next. I'm interested in in how Maxi's game grows. I mean, the as you said, the three-point shooting efficiency has been a revelation this year. And he had a very different sample last year. He went from being a bench player who played about a thousand minutes to being a starter alongside Joel Embiid. And Maxi's three-point attempt frequency actually didn't change at all for exactly four per 36 minutes both years. Going from 30% to 41% leaves me a little bit concerned that there's a regression yeah. to the mean. But but uh, to me, the volume is, and the aggressiveness is the thing that I look at even more than Senate. For sure. Compared For sure. To last and year, and, and Maxi has Maxi has grown a lot, and I'm and, and he also like you brought up the pick and roll operation stuff. Like playing with Joel Embiid is a double edged sword there, where you don't have to do as much, and so they're not really asking him to. I so I have him in this group from from seventeen to twenty four. I also have Jalen Brunson in this group. I have Malcolm Brogdon here, and Brogdon. I think if you were to gar- if you could guarantee health to me, I would probably have him in that group with Dejounte Murray and Conley but as as much as we lament other players not being available I mean it feels like there's always something with Malcolm Brogdon and yeah that's why I had him lower just because he's he's had a poor season and just has not been able to he seems like a 55 games a year guy at this point he does and with Brunson we'll we might get the opportunity to see him as a higher usage player possibly we might not 
I mean, d- depending on how his free agency goes. Well, let's goes. see if he can not have a terrible playoffs first before right. before we even get to that. Right, and what does he value? And, I mean, the evaluation window for Brunson over the next 12 months is going to be – could change dramatically based on what he wants to do, and, and we'll get we'll get something there. If he were just a little more aggressive shooting the three, I probably would have moved him up into the, the higher group. I, mm-hmm. I, can, I considered it. Yeah, if you – like off the dribble threes and as a spot-up guy, if you just had a little quick release a little more aggression and obviously you could still make him at the same percentage then I, I think he would be better at, you know and, and he's okay defensively but he's he's small like he he's he's got the build of fred van vliet but not the the defensive ability of fred van vliet i i also had Derek white here we'll probably move him into the two guards next year and yeah Derek white like the the pick and roll numbers when he was in san antonio when he was doing more of that actually were pretty solid um and white yeah it, a lot of that was based on like unsustainable off the dribble two-point shooting yes if memory serves I, I believe that's correct but white also a very good defender as a guard kind of whatever responsibilities you want to give him there i wouldn't say he's as good on ball as somebody like Dejounte murray but i think he's better off ball than some of those players can be at times um so maybe not better than Dejounte, but better than a lot of the, a lot of guards and so i have him here where if you're he's not going to run the sh- if he was running the show for you it's not gonna be great but he can do a lot of these other things well and another player who I think of as spiritually well, quickly on white too like his shooting he's never matched what he was able to do in the bubble as a uh, shooter he's shooting I, if poorly. only yeah he's shooting poorly for Boston from three but he's still a threat out there like he's not being left wide open now if we turn around a year from now and he has made 30 percent over the last year then obviously we'd have to change our opinion on him a little bit but I mean yeah. to me he's another guy at least in this group if we're calling him a point guard he's top five at this position defensively probably the best help defender of any group the other guy who I think of as spiritually similar who I also have in this area is Lonzo Ball and I think this year has been calcifying in a sense with with Lonzo Ball where he is thriving in a role where he is well suited where he is not running the offense but he is a he's having his best defensive year by far and the things that Lonzo Ball doesn't do very well the Chicago Bulls are not particularly asking him to do and the things that he does very well they are asking him to do and we've seen also Lonzo Ball's value in absentia you know that he the defense well I mean when he and Caruso were out together of course that was a limitation i thought about lowering him because of the the injuries issues but I, I'm I'm not yet at the point where I think it's chronic, though I'm probably wrong on that. Maybe that's I'm a, I've been a Lonzo Ball optimist for so long that I don't that I don't want to put it that way. But I so like if you're comparing for me, like I, I think the Lonzo Ball De'Aaron Fox comparison is fascinating because the, I have them in the same tier. And at first I'm like that seems really dumb, you know, like De'Aaron Fox is so much better doing point guard stuff. But but then what I got to was if De'Aaron Fox is doing your point guard stuff, your offense is going to be a specific thing. And if you as the number two guy i like lonzo ball way better so i reconciled those by having them in the same tier though i respect people who would who would disagree yeah if ball i i think i might have considered him for that higher group if he didn't have the injury issues but yeah that second surgery on this knee this is now i think three seasons he's had of five that have been significantly impacted by injuries his career high in games played is 63 which they didn't play as many games that season but 55 last year 35 this year which is probably going to be it and then 52 and 47 his first two full years in LA I think he's a very solid high 33 point shooter he's taking 7.7 per 36 minutes defends the position well can switch pushes it in transition we know his strengths and weaknesses at this point he'll fit with a, a lot of groups can't finish 
at the rim can't get to the foul line can't run pick and roll the pick and roll numbers were really bad again for him uh, I, I think this season uh, certainly in terms of the volume so yeah i think he's just a, a solid off ball type of starting point guard he fits well he moves the ball like he's i think he's a solid winning player it just there's a ceiling on him and then also the health concerns but yeah i had brunson brogdon and ball in my 20 through 22 range as just solid starting point guards maybe you know the health concerns a little bit decent enough defensively i i consider those guys ahead of my next group i had white a little bit lower in this next group which was actually you know what no i think i will put white actually in this group with brogdon ball and brunson like he kind of just fits there better yeah that that was that that was kind of how i ended up with him there too yeah and then my next group of 24 to 26 still starters to me like the next the next group after this to me is like starter slash backup level of guys where you're not necessarily like really fired up to have this guy as your starter but colin sexton d'angelo russell and anthony simons are kind of defense optional offensive starting point guards who are still relatively young russell maybe a little bit less so so the sexton versus simons thing is going to be fascinating i assume simons is going to be a better brand this offseason because sexton had this injury but sexton also just had this monster year last year in, in a lot of ways i don't have that much to say about these guys like i think they are they haven't proven that they can drive efficient offense for their team you can give them the ball they can do some stuff like they'll be okay offensively they'll be defensive liabilities they're kind of very all of them can shoot reasonably well russell and simons maybe better than sexton uh sexton maybe gets to the basket more than those guys but they're kind of offense only starting point guards and uh, who aren't like elite on the offensive end so that's why i would have them lower than some of these two-way guys who i think can contribute more on winning i did not have that structure and i am blatantly stealing it i think that is a good idea i had i i was torn <laughs> on where to put d'angelo russell beforehand and it, it's interesting d'angelo russell defenders it seems like they can always find some things to 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 hang their hat on and i mean one of those is the success of the minnesota timberwolves this year which clearly obviously they they are successful this year but something that i just linger on there is the apportionment of credit and minnesota has the number six offense you play the point guard of the number six offense why is he so low and when d'angelo russell is on the floor and carl anthony towns is not on the floor the timberwolves offense has a 106 offensive rating and oh well that's that's anomalous that was a 108 last year with the with those same constraints and i think that what happens in these circumstances is sometimes you give the point guard credit for offensive success when it's actually the best offensive player whether they guard point guards or not and so i am choosing to apportion that credit to Carl Anthony Towns, the vastly superior player on offense. And Russell, we have a lot of experience of him not really elevating teams to that extent. So I'm I'm gonna give that to, to Russell and and or sorry, give that to give that to Towns. And Sexton, because of the injury, I mean, I have extreme misgivings about Sexton as a distributor, as a creator, but 57% true shooting on 30% usage his last healthy season is incredible. And Simon's being in this group. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we're not still talking about that season for him like 10 years from now as one of the all-time fluke seasons hopefully not and sexton i i hope that he could become even just like a slightly better passer would make would make a huge difference and i wonder where his career is going to go from this point and whether he gets buried on the calves or traded or sign and trade or whatever and then with simon's I wouldn't be surprised a year from now if he's a couple of tiers higher than this or a t- one tier lower than this. I just, the, what we've seen has been really encouraging. I just don't know what to make of it just quite yet because that Blazers, you, you brought up the Funhouse 
Funhouse mirror of the Charlotte Hornets. The post-Lillard Blazers are an even weirder Funhouse mirror. And Simons is missing this point when they're been, they've been the worst team in the league for the last month. But there's a lot to like. And when I watched some of the when I watched some of the film of him, I, I like what Simons the the some of the development that he's had as a pick and roll player and as a shooter. And we our misgivings with Simons going back, you know, a few years ago were were not necessarily the offensive game. It was just he's a horrendous defender, still is. And it looked like his on ball game was a little bit more limited. At that point he was more ball dominant than effective. And what happened is he became ball dominant and effective. And that can do a lot. So that's probably to me the end of the well, group of guys that I would consider starters. There's one more guy that I yeah. had trouble with and I okay. I may actually put him into that tier with Simons and all them even though he is a dramatically different player and that's Patrick Beverly. Beverly not the greatest at running the show. That's not really what he does anymore and I think his defense is overrated at this point but still good. I mean he's a, he's a part of the Timberwolves ball hawking and everything else. But I think of him as a better overall kind of creator plus defender. Like, so my next group includes like Rose and Caruso and Monte Morris. I think I have, I think Beverly deserves to be higher, even though he doesn't make thematic sense with that group. Yeah, I don't think so uh, to me because number one, he's older. He's not a high volume guy from three, gets injured a lot, can't play that many minutes because he gets in foul trouble. I, I think he's just like a, a hybrid starter backup type of guy, really more of a two on offense. And I I think if you look at the this is actually a very interesting delineation and i i'm just coming to this decision or, or this observation now but and maybe i'm influenced by what their actual salaries are but th- there's a few guys who i'm not that influenced by what their salaries are as we'll get to but i think the end of this group with simon simon's is number 20 so sex and russell simon's in whatever order you want to put them in is 24 to 26 for me that to me is kind of the end of the group where these are guys who i think should get paid in the high teens low 20s or higher you know whether they're either when they're done with their rookie contract or where they are right now pretty much all these guys as you go through there's nobody who isn't on the rookie contract who is making less than like about 18 million and even Dejounte murray he would would have been making more except he uh, was coming off the torn acl uh you know clearly if Dejounte murray were a free agent now he'd get like 25 million or something like that you know sexton russell is making the max i think he's kind of more of a you know lower end starting point guard but that's that's a guy who gets 18 million Brunson is probably going to get around 18 million. Simons will probably be there. Sexton, you you know, that he's maybe a little different because he's kind of got that two guard brand to him. But then I think there's a clear delineation between the rest of these guys. If they were free agents now, we're get, are getting like 10 million. They're getting that like starter backup yeah type of money so beverly and, i mean you see he just got that extension for what like 13 maybe but that's only one year um you know rose is around 13 caruso got nine Wa- kemba walker got nine monte morris got nine so i think there's it's very interesting to just see in terms of the salaries and it's maybe not a surprise too to me because point guard is probably the position that's like most reducible to stats and you're people just know what a point guard is and who's good you just don't make as many mistakes at that position in terms of money whereas the three and d guys their performance can fluctuate so much more um i think that's i think that's an apt 
piece of insight. I hadn't really thought about it that way. And I think, interestingly, the player you brought up, Caruso and Rose, that also clarifies this is Devontae Graham. And Devontae Graham, yeah. he, I, I, I was lucky because I, I, you know, I pull up my rankings from last year because we'll talk about that with risers and followers. And I had the note in his that he was under 40% on twos for the second straight season. He is currently at 39.9% on twos this year. So keep an eye on that if you're in value, if you're invested in Devontae Graham's two-point shooting. It is a real weakness in his game. And for Graham, I I vast I think about him more than I think about almost any guy in this in this group just because I wonder how I should value a player like him where we know what he what uh, there is zero ambiguity about what Devonte Graham does and because he's so limited. Well, I think there is with the three point shooting. Like he, if he's shooting forty percent from three versus this year's thirty four. Yeah, like I guess that, that that's he's I guess so that's dependent fair. on that. Like yeah, I he, actually because he never him. gets to the line and he can't make twos and he's a bad defender. Yeah, I actually had him in the high quality backups tier which is the 39 to 49 range um he might actually be below another backup point guard on his own team <laughs> if we if we think about it here but um yeah i mean i think particularly like in the playoffs like he's gonna be the type of guy who just can't play at all in the playoffs yeah i think well, i'm gonna move i think i'm gonna move him down i'm moving i'm moving yeah. him down one tier so he'll still be in my 30s but he won't be in my in that in that group yeah and i really liked him he, he is a good passer off the pick and roll too it's just that he hasn't it, he hasn't been able to duplicate what he's doing from three. He's just so dependent on being able to shoot in the high thirties or forties from three. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we can breeze through the rest of this. Group oh, a little there, bit there's one time. guy we can't breeze through. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Yeah. I had him in the, this 27 to 38 group. Let's just, so we have it. What are Russell Westbrook's stats this year? Just his, his uh, usage, true shooting, all that for the season, Russell Westbrook, the third 51% true shooting 27 usage. He is take and that those incidentally are very similar to last year where he had 51% true shooting on 30 usage as a Washington Wizard. Westbrook shooting 29% on 3.6 threes per 36 minutes he's shooting 48 percent from two and he also has a career low free throw attempt rate and also shooting 67 percent from the line now too <laughs> clearly there's something with him at this point with his jump shot where i just it's never going to get better it's a massive liability he's in his own head he can't make a mid-ranger either which is really important to him his fit is terrible at this point as well maybe there are a few teams like washington last year where he could be russ and just attack a ton and get his usage up and his scoring he's only averaging 19 points per 36 minutes which is not a crazy number i mean as a score that's only the positional average is 16.1 he's not even really that high much higher as a score despite the high usage and you know big part of that is because he's been inefficient but yeah i mean we just seen it on this lakers team he can't and this is nothing to do with his salary this is just where he would rank regardless of salary he just can't fit with other players i mean he really should just be a backup point guard at this point who comes in and pushes it in transition and you know maybe creates he's still the guy where you put the ball in his hands he can't drive efficient offense for the team without another star with him i mean is he he's kind of the same as like i would rather have monty morris on most teams i would say this point than russell westbrook i'd probably rather have john wall at this Mm -hmm. point than 
Reggie Jackson. Yeah, Reggie Jackson, Emmanuel Quickly, you know, Derek Rose. Maybe, and I guess the reason that I even have Westbrook in this group, despite how damaging he is, he also is a terrible defender as well. The reason I have him in this group is just because I think there are some teams where he could still add some value as he did for the Wizards last year with the Russ being Russ act. And so maybe there are some teams where you would rather have Russell Westbrook than Reggie Jackson, but that's a team that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I have some Russ, teams. So last year I had Russell Westbrook in my 37 to 61 range. This year it's 40 to 50. I still have him there. Yeah, you've been ahead of that. I think I had him 28th last year, which was that was very controversial. Now we did do this last year, I think, before he did it. That like that that push that push to the play in. Yeah, the when he he definitely helped the Wizards. Like they went on some crazy (laughs) run, and he was he was part of that. He granted last year was a a weird year, and they had an easy schedule, and there were a lot of teams tanking down the end. But they actually legitimately won games that he was a big part of last year. But yeah, so I, I mean, I I should probably actually put him into the backup group uh you, you convinced me to move him down because he just for for almost any team maybe there's like four or five where he's not taking more off the table than he's adding at this point as a start and as a backup i mean the numbers when russ is the lead creator haven't been great for a, a couple of years overall and I, I mean they haven't been great since like 2017 probably or 28 sure um so a couple other players that i have in the high-end rotation i'm just going to mention briefly they're more defensive Defenders than offensive players, so you have to be very specific about where you about where you fit them in. But Gary Payton the second, who I think is one of the best defenders, and we could argue about what his position is. in yeah, Payton, I, I had to have him had him lower because he he basically can't start. I don't think he also fouls so much. Well, and I I mean I, there are a lot of these guys, and th- this is where I have um, Davion Mitchell. I think Mitchell could end up being one of the bigger risers. I there oh I, for sure. What we've seen there have been these little flashes of his offensive game that have been very encouraged by and then somebody yeah. else have but, here but, but the overall just the, quickly the overall numbers on Mitchell I mean right. like I do think he could be a, a positive defensive player if overrated because the on-ball stuff is way better than the off-ball stuff and he's but he's shooting 32 percent from three overall 49 percent true shooting does have six three-point times for 36 minutes like that's nice but he's and he's shown some flashes getting to the basket so I mean there are probably people who would say he should be higher but just the overall numbers are just too low and yeah he helps the king's defense but you can only do so much from this this position yeah and I, yeah, I have so, a little so, bit of fear yeah. that Davion Mitchell is going to end up defensively that he's going to become like Avery Bradley where we where the there's there's a lot of attention paid to what he does really well and I I think he's better than Avery Bradley I agree. Uh, I'm a little bit I'm a little defender concerned. and a switch guy but I, I agree I mean it's it, he could get over for sure um, but, well, although he as long as he plays in Sacramento probably won't the other rookie I have in this tier from my my 30s where it's high in rotation but shouldn't start is I would assume and I believe in him defensively he has been yeah. aggressive as a driver and yeah he's not if you ask him to run the show it's not going to be great but he can fit alongside a lot of their good players i am a believer yeah so th- these are the guys that you're mentioning are more in the high quality backups group i have the these guys i'll just go through the list here we don't need to talk about too many of them of where it's like all right like this guy could start for you in a pinch he's not going to kill you he can run some pick and roll most of them or you know, be be a good enough offensive player that he can play off the ball next to other starters in in 
in the starting group so yeah caruso we mentioned cole anthony Derek rose i've got emmanuel quickly here mm-hmm. i've got john wall in this group markel fultz these are guys who've come in and have started before and been okay uh monte morris is in this group for me i had beverly here had reggie jackson here and uh patty mills was also in this group though he's been struggling a little bit lately um i think maybe the one guy who's probably controversial there and that's like the 27 to 37 range for me is kemba that maybe he should be lower i have him lower but that's more it's availability in defense like i think that he you know the that you can't you can't have him as a starter in a pinch because he's probably the guy that you'd be starting for in a pinch so that that is a a real concern for me but he is also like i have kemba walker in that 41 to 59 range i trust i i think he's the best player in that group so that i understand the the challenge there yeah were there any of those other guys you had any major disagreements on not really um so who else do we need to talk about kind of this high quality backup range i struggled with how to handle tj mcconnell and ricky rubio both of whom have been valuable to their teams when healthy but they're not healthy right now so i ended up with them in the 31 to 40 range but I could have put them lower. Yeah, McConnell just can't be a starter. Can't really play in the playoffs. He's just so limited. He McConnellizes the offense, but he does give you value in the regular season. And we've forgotten how good he is as a steals guy as well. Tyus Jones, there might be an argument to me that Tyus Jones should be higher, that he should be kind of more in that starter backup type of group, given how well Memphis has played this year without John Morant. I have Goran Dragic still here as just a high quality backup, although he's, his numbers so far, with uh, the Brooklyn Nets have been pretty ugly George Hill is still in this group for me as well Eric Bledsoe is in this group for me Rubio when we're pricing in him coming back from this this ACL I think will still be in this you know totally decent backup but not beyond that uh and then I got Jose Alvarado there too yeah I have have Alvarado in my my clearly in a rotation group um which is a a large one where it's like if you have them on your team you're playing them and Alvarado is, is definitely that he's such such a disruptive defensive player player and still working on his offensive game but i'm i love watching i love watching him defend it's 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 an absolute joy so so when i think of high quality backups those are the ones where i'm like all right you got this guy and we feel good about backup on guard you know we're willing to pay a reasonable amount for this guy to come in and and be a solid backup that we feel can come in be a a 16 18 minute a game guy and run our offense or did i miss did i miss dennis schroeder because i think it's fair to give him that description you drew a different line than i did but i mean I had Schroeder in the stopgap backups. I mean, the Boston Celtics straight up dumped him this year. I, I think he's, he just is, I, I think he's, there've been enough teams that he's been on where he's been a negative, where I, I have him a little bit lower. And it seems like his career is going off the rails a little bit here. Uh, he's not really a good teammate. Like that's something where you really, you want a good locker room guy, a good teammate. He's still a guy who is like, you know, going to take too many shots, needs the ball, is going to complain about not playing. Like trying to play that role. Uh, and he's also kind of even more of a two, like he doesn't really distribute defensive liability. I had him in the stop gap backup groups. And I think he's going to be, I mean, when you consider that the guy got dumped straight up for nothing and also probably didn't have enough of a market for a buyout to where he would have just left Houston and you consider his market last off season as well. I think the, the league is kind of spoken and I've always been lower on him anyway, that he's just a, he's going to be a one year season to season type of guy at this point that's fair um yeah others in that stopgap backup let me know if there's anyone that you think should be higher in this group aaron holiday kobe white delon wright i was 
have been higher on but he's really is just his offensive he's got like 10 percent usage this year has really fallen off ish smith has 45 percent true shooting this year facundo Campazzo, maybe jordan mclaughlin is one guy who should be higher uh but he's shooting 25 percent from three this year which is just that that's not good enough to me like they, they've been fine when he's played but it, you just got to shoot better than that peyton pritchard was here mm-hmm. howell neto trey jones Rajon Rondo, Malachi Flynn, Javon Carter is a little different type of player, but he, he's kind of resurrected things at least a little bit in Milwaukee now. So these are all guys where it's like, hey, you know, we got to have 30 backup point guards in the league. So these guys are going to play, but you're also just not excited to have them back. Yeah, I think that's fair. Did you mention Ty Jerome? No, I didn't. He's he's played so little. I think it's, I, it's I have him, I have him in this group. I like Ty Jerome. Yeah, I think so. He's shot poorly from three this year, but I, I am a believer more in his shooting. He just hasn't ever been in a real we just haven't even seen him play a rotation role on a, a real team at any point so i sure. had him below this this group but i could see him being a, a worthy flyer to get into that mm-hmm. biggest risers over over I, this I, last year and then who I, you predict will rise even more i had I john morant in the 13 to 16 group last year i now have him number three that's one of the largest jumps i've ever seen at the high end yeah i had Ja in a tier from six to ten last year and now he's number three for me also uh another big riser would be trey going from five to two and oh garland for me so darius garland that's massive went from i'm trying to find him i I, yeah yeah keep scrolling down man (laughs) i had him i had him in possibly rotation worthy last year and now he's eight yeah i had him as fringe starter quality backup so kind of in that uh 30s range and now yeah to to go up to number eight was pretty good he came on towards the end of last year he did as well uh let's see who else was a riser for me DeJounte went Mm -hmm. from 21 to like the mid-teens Fred Van Vliet was 16 and he was 10 this year for me nobody else really had a a meteoric rise Tyrese Maxey oh yes thank you that's a good one yeah where was he last year he was like maybe not even ranked right yeah I don't I didn't even have him he might I might have been thinking of him as I think we had him as a two guard last year yeah maybe we did have him as a two last year but I mean he definitely rose I know that yeah I I, he would have been in the 40s at best last year like he wasn't even in the rotation for a lot of large portions of the year how about fallers i had kemba at 13 last year that's a uh, quite a fall conley I, I mean, conley yeah. going from number nine to the mid-teens that's significant yeah i conley didn't go as, as low for me i still actually i had him as uh going from tw- uh 12 to 15 Kemba, yeah, Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly. Um, I I've been higher on him for a while. Um, yeah, Beverly's about the same to me. I had him in the the low thirties, about the same as this year. Eric Bledsoe, Tomas yeah, Sadoransky. Tomas Sadoransky last year. Oh yeah, Sadoransky. I mean, he's like you know he, he's actually starting games for Washington now, but probably shouldn't be. Yeah, what did we have Bledsoe last year? I had Bledsoe last year in the twenty three to thirty two range. Yeah, I actually he hasn't fallen as much for me. I had him at thirty four. I thought he was really bad. I thought I thought he. Was oh, he was. Yeah, I, 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 I still had belief that it could work better in a different system. And no, sorry. Yeah, Russ has fallen again. Goran Dragic, I had his 23 last year, and now he's really more just in the backup group. So he probably fell about 20 spots or so. Malcolm Brogdon was 15 for me last year. I had him 22 this year. Fox was 10 for me last year. I think I had him higher than you did last year. I want to yeah, say. I had him 12. Yeah, so so he went from 10 to 18 for me. Um, Chris Dunn, remember when? Uh, yeah, I mean, Dunn didn't even play last year. So right. I don't think I... I, I, still, I still was holding on last year to what he had done the year before. Four, and then now I'm no longer holding on to that. Kyrie went from three to seven for me. 
three to five for me. Um, Chris yeah. Paul actually dropped. You you could say he dropped the tier. He's actually he just it just kind of I think some guys passed him and the tiers shifted differently. I had him four last year and four this year. Yeah. I've showered a little bit on <laughs> Shea. We yeah. discussed Lillard. That at length. Lillard too was number two in his own tier last year and is now at the bottom of tier two. Although again, I think there's there's an argument that next year he'd come back the best of any guys possible. What about guys you expect are going to rise for next? I don't know that Garland's going to move into another group. I think I might have already priced in his rise so then yeah. Halliburton for me is a possibility Tyrese Maxey like those guys I think it, I, I brought this up before with Anthony Simons like it's it's either they're going to move up a couple or they're going to move down one where it's just like I kind of I, I I put a little bit in but I think they're going to grow beyond that point uh ja, ja might be a good bet to be number one next year we'll see I think it I think it might be Trey we'll see I mean but, but Ja uh, given the team that he's on is going to have the opportunity if he obviously can come back with this injury but he'll have the opportunity to prove that he is you know maybe even a top five player in the nba in these playoffs given where they're seated and the type of run that they might be able to make um Kyrie could potentially if he has a sane year <laughs> could be right back um, I, I don't know if he'll get the yeah. opportunity but emmanuel quickly potentially if he can just be the guy and do well i think yeah, that could... i don't see him because of his size limitations and his passing and finishing limitations i don't really see how it's possible for him to get much of above like the high 20s i mean maybe somebody on the orlando magic but probably not like cole anthony maybe could do could get something I mean, we, we didn't even mention the name jalen suggs like he he would he's been so damaging this year he would be basically as low as i could possibly put him in like like no other player who's played the way he has offensively this year would have continued to get minutes but he was the number five pick yeah. so he did and there is there is a history of some of those players actually ending up becoming becoming quality nba players it's just you have to see there was also a history of them becoming not quality NBA players. You mentioned Davion Mitchell as a riser. I agree. I sure. think he's someone who could get into the starter conversation next year. Uh, we haven't mentioned this name because he probably hasn't played enough to really be discussed as like a, a backup. But I think Brandon Williams is someone on, on Portland. I don't know how much he's going to get to play if Dame and Simons are both there. But I think he could get into this quality backup group at least. I, I'm going to throw another quality backup name before getting into there. Dacian Nix, I still really like him. I think he oh. Be. interesting i remember when i watched when i was watching kuminga film i'm like i think this guy can play and then when i saw him play for um camera if that was the ignite or something else i'm like yep still think he can play yeah he's uh gotten his body into a little bit better of shape uh by the way for those of you wondering ben simmons if you didn't listen to all the other episodes ben simmons is a power forward luca is a small forward and harden is a shooting guard and kevin porter jr another guy who's been playing point guard we had him as a shooting guard as well so that's why you haven't heard those names they are sure in those and yeah possible followers for next year staff obviously uh, is the most obvious one i very much doubt i will have stephen curry number one in his own tier next year going forward uh you know ja unfortunately like if he who knows what this injury issue is going to be chris paul just kyrie for me because i'm still high on him yeah that's that's a a possibility oh you know who we didn't say is a riser is shea i think shea has is a guy who could be a big riser oh could be a riser oh yeah from from this year to next year yeah because i i actually dropped shea uh shea shea could be like for me Darius Garland might be that where it's like I, I I priced in too much and then eventually have to calibrate yeah I could see De'Aaron Fox rising as well Tyrese we mentioned Tyrese Halliburton both Tyrese's. Tyrese Maxey yeah those guys are all young enough Conley could be a big faller too what about Lamelo? is Lamelo? you hope he's gonna be a big riser next year I mean I already have him at 
eleven. So I think that I think he's. I think if I had to guess right now, if he if we still have him at point guard next year, I think he'll be around there. Yeah, that'll be fascinating. Really interested to see how his career develops because he he is a guy who's got some interesting aspects to his game that that aren't necessarily traditional. All right, well, this is the longest one of these we've done. This is over two hours of recording time. Let's wrap this, and we will be back to finish out the week tomorrow on Dunktown Prime. We'll talk to you then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.